a doctor in the house. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right. It is Advanced Medicine Monday. The doctor is in. And uh, the Ebola thing is just, it's got the world on edge, or at least those that follow the mainstream media. But if you listen to the Robert Scott Bell Show and Dr. Bittar, you'll be calm, cool, and collected as we talk about Ebola today. Special edition, Liam Sheff's going to join us in a moment. But Dr. Bittar, welcome back, my friend. Thank you, Robert. Good to be back, like usual, every week. Yes. Just confirming as we start out in the evening, do you need any no-dos or puppy-uppers? Nope, nope, I'm good to go. <laughs> okay, that's just me then. Well, listen, I'm excited for this hour. Uh, welcome in all our new listeners, uh, 7 to 9, Monday through Friday now in the East Coast time zone, 4 to 6, drive time in Pacific, and then around the world whenever you download it as a podcast through Natural News Radio, GCN, Digital Radio-103 in Australia, and of course, the UK Health Radio across the pond. So welcome. Now, Ebola, this is a question we got everybody's asking, and we've been talking about strategies here to deal with it. I don't think it's going to be a big deal other than the fear that they're fomenting, but the reality is their focus on viruses, they're not looking at all at dysregulation. They're not looking at all at selenium or other mineral deficiencies, much less other toxicological uh, situations, particular to Africa or Liberia. Well, Robert, I've been a little bit out of the net, and as you know, I don't listen to the regular news, so I didn't even hear about it till today. But the first thing that went through my head when I heard the news was that this would be analogous to a false flag type event. They're going to bring somebody in, and then they're going to justify the need to start a new vaccine program or mm-hmm. something else, you know, to, to create panic. And like you said, there's there's so many other aspects to any type of disease process. And of, of course, I think we lost but, uh, Dr. Batar momentarily. Hopefully, he'll be bring, bringing us back in. Uh, but uh, uh, Liam Schaff is with us, the author of Official Stories. And you talked about this with me about being some sort of land grab. I know that there's a there's a lot of plays here that are being made here domestically in the united states we see the fda encouraging drug companies to produce drugs to produce vaccines but over there in africa and liberia this is not a new story right well liberia guinea sierra leone uh and they have one death in nigeria you know as soon as you start counting deaths in africa as though it means something that we have to know about because it's very important uh my head happens to race back to the the way that AIDS cases are counted in Africa. AIDS was, a, you know, if whatever we called it was a disease that was caused in the United States or occurred in the United States among young gay men who, uh, as gay men, were, of course, driven by what men are driven by, which is testosterone, who uh, ran to big cities because they couldn't be anywhere else without getting beaten up or killed or repressed or isolated. And they took a lot of drugs, a lot of antibiotics to deal with very real STDs. And by mm-hmm. taking fistfuls of antibiotics, by putting benzene into their colons in the, in the lubricants, they gave themselves every disease that you can get on Earth. And they had ma- essentially massive candida infections. You know, when you destroy your gut, you leak into your gut and you have, uh, you know, massive candida. That's, that's, and that's what they had. 
uh, in a variety of senses. And then they had punctured, uh, you know, they, they had problems in their colons and all sorts of puncturing issues. But the mainstream came along and said, well, let's blame a virus because if we, you know, blame benzene and poppers and antibiotics, then people will pay attention to their health. And God knows we don't want that. Let's blame a sex virus because they're gay after all. So it must be about the sex and not about all the toxicology. So they started, they, then they said, well, now that we got that going here, let's put this drug called AZT into you young gay guys. So the death, the death rate was about 12,500 by 1986, 1987. A drug called AZT was, was dropped into the gay community in 1987. It was a bone marrow suppressing drug. The drug killed uh, 169 out of 172 people in the trial called the Concord trial, and uh, that was considered a great success. So they turned that around, dropped that into the community, and, you know, guys started dying by the, not the, you know, tens of thousands per year, but tens of thousands every couple of months. So the death rate went from about twelve and a half thousand. Well, they to, uh, they, they did to about, about they to closer to fifty thousand. Well, closer to fifty thousand by the by ninety four ninety five when they dropped the dosage of AZT. But Liam, th- th- that introduced the concept of real life, uh, let's say, uh, deadly epidemic of some kind that most people hadn't lived through in in mo- mo- in most of their lifetimes in there. And and Doctor Batar, you were coming through uh, medical school what eighties nineties whenever it was, and this was this was going on. No one was talking toxicological or drug induced deaths. Yeah, nineteen ninety one is when I graduated from medical school. But you know, Robert, this is a very very good point because you and I have discussed this extensively in multiple shows in the past. The CDC has two teams that they always send out when there's a new outbreak of some sort. Everybody knows the glorified movie-making uh, group. That's the group that is known as the... Is the, um, the virologists, right? The virus hunters, the pathogen guys? The infectious disease team, correct. Yeah, yeah. And the other... The other group is a toxicology team, and nobody ever hears about the toxicology team. Nobody ever talks about the toxicology team. So how many people have been apprised of the toxicological aspect here? And you know what you just mentioned, you weren't even toxic- talking about toxicology. You were just talking about a nutritional deficiency, and the CDC never sends out any teams to assess nutritional deficiencies. <laughs> so the point being is you know, we, we don't even really know what we're dealing with here. Um, but you're right. There was no talk about this back in the, in the 90s, 95. I just finished my... In 1995, I was chief of the emergency medicine department at Montague Farming Community Hospital. I don't remember hearing ever, ever hearing about uh, any kind of Ebola except for maybe in some type of uh, a movie you know, plot. Right, right. It. But there was this Ebola. I remember reading about it in the 90s. Again, coming from a homeopathic perspective, always looking beyond the, oh, it's a germ, oh, it's a virus. What was going on in the environment? What was in or not in the soil in Africa where this disease was just supposedly killing everybody? And again, reviewing, I don't have the, the, the exact uh, uh, studies, but I remember reading about them. And selenium was one of the key things they said was just gone. And when they replenished selenium, these patients got well. So it indicated to me, again, another classic terrain disease, deficiency disease. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. I think that all these diseases, and it's been proven now, it's a terrain aspect. There's either a new, I explain, in fact, cancer the same way. Cancer is either one, a severe malnourishment at a very specific point where the cancer first starts, or two, it's a deficiency of an essential needed substance in the body, whether it's a mineral or it's an antioxidant or whatever the case is, there's something specific that the body needs that it's missing. And it's usually a combination of both those things. It's not just one or the other. Sure. Usually it's a combination of both. And I think that once you have that ideal situation set up, then you're going to have the potential of any type of disease occurring. Right. And Liam, once you start uncovering this 
uh, disaster that was pharmaceutical in the making when you mentioned AZT, you can start seeing through almost every supposed claim for the next outbreak. I mean, isn't there a pattern here? Right. The pattern is that every death is a victory. That's sort of uh, NIH, you know, WHO motto. They don't announce that, but that's their motto. Every death is a victory. So when when they get excited, and they do, you can feel the uh, blood rushing to their propaganda organ. <laughs> they, thank you. Well said. Th- yeah. They like, oh, 729 deaths. It's real. It's real. It's real. Well, how, that's how they started counting AIDS in, in Africa was if you had a fever, you had shingles, you know, you had some sort of herpes outbreak uh, on your skin. You, you know, that's selenium deficiency, mm-hmm. every kind, essential fat deficiency, everything deficiency. You lose the methylation on your, on your DNA and you just start expressing, expressing, expressing out of this old stuff in your genome. Well, you start taking nutrients and that goes away. But the, the WHO said, no, you got to cough, you have fever, you have diarrhea. In Africa, that's AIDS. Same thing as these gay guys had who were taking these handfuls and handfuls and handfuls of drugs, antibiotics, putting benzene in their colons, huffing carcinogens uh, like uh, poppers. Same thing. Same thing. No clean water, tuberculosis and malaria. Same thing as what happened in the Castro in San Francisco. Really? Same thing? Not really. Very, very different, in fact. Uh, So now they're counting deaths in Africa. But in the 90s, this came around and Rene Russo, uh, a cinematic goddess if there ever was one was in a movie with dustin, dustin hoffman. hoffman yeah outbreak uh, right outbreak and mm-hmm. you know they 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 saved somebody at the end i guess maybe him or her with a, a vaccine of course it saved him at the at the end uh but the reality was that this thing came and went now a guy called brian ellison very good writer journalist wrote about this and he said that the, they did this in the 70s, and, they, and Don Francis, a, a guy from the AIDS establishment, you know, before he was there, went and, and said, uh, if, I'm, if I'm reading it correctly, said, along with other people, that it was the funerary practices. Well, they had unclean funerary, funeral practices. And the locals said, no, 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 no. But they said, yeah, that's what it is. Well, it turns out that there was just too much needle sharing going on at one hospital. The thing went away. Uh, they bring it back, and, and they say it's going to get everybody... I have friends writing me going, oh, I'm so scared, I'm so scared. And I just send them like the the bird flu report from a few years ago. Just read the details. Now, I'm not saying that people don't get sick. Tropical illnesses are awful. Tropical illnesses are the worst illnesses. Also, deficiency illnesses like scurvy. Mm -hmm. You know, you can all, a lot of people have subclinical scurvy. A lot of us are vitamin C deficient. Almost everybody's selenium deficient. I, you know, everybody is. Hmm. Glutathione, selenium, these things that used to be manufactured in, in microbes in the dirt, we don't have dirt anymore. We have Monsanto juice in Monsanto <laughs> land. Yeah, it's kind of nasty. It shifted things a lot in our, in our generation, Dr. Batar. We, we lost the connection with the land in so many ways, but uh, better living through chemistry is literally killing us. Yeah, and it, historically, it's been one of the... At, at least in this century, when you look at it historically, it's been the the greatest, one of the greatest sources of death, um, with the exception of perhaps uh, war. But um, when you start looking at the causes of death, yeah. when you look at heart disease and cancer, just those two numer- but even, even those related to the chemical explosion of the 20th century. Well, listen, we got to take a break. Advanced Medicine Monday continues here with Dr. Rashid Bittar and special guest Liam Sheff. We'll see if we can hold them on for one more segment. Ebola is the topic. The Robert Scott Bell Show.
rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, special edition, Advanced Medicine Monday continues here, the evening edition in the East Coast. We haven't done this before, but going so well, and Liam Sheff is our special guest. All the links are in the show notes at robertscatbell.com. Dr. Batar, you were talking real briefly about the prevalence of disease, and I kind of linked it back to modern medicine being a contributing factor in all its chemicals. Right, and I actually made an incorrect statement because when you look at the cause of death, According to the World Health Organization, numbers from 1998 and again from 1999, and I don't, just don't know happen to have them for the last 15 years, but at least back in those two years, heart disease and cancer uh, were responsible for 80% of deaths in the industrialized world. And that basically, when you start looking at those numbers, 80% of all deaths, that is a mind-blowing figure because that's taking into account all homicide, all suicide, all other disease processes combined, all natural disasters, all wars. Every cause of death on the planet, 8 out of 10 people are actually dying of either heart disease or cancer. So really everything else, when you hear about the horrific story of a tsunami or you know killing all these thousands of people, nobody's talking about the cancer and the heart disease. And now you're talking about the Ebola. And look how they're blowing this thing up about mm. the Ebola or you know, looking at past history from back in 1995 when you guys mentioned the, all the stuff that was on the media. But nobody's talking about the – God knows – Percentage-wise, it would be millions and millions of percent higher rates of death from cancer and heart disease, which yeah. killing people left, right, it's, and Yeah, center. it's not even a close contest. But it's not even, and it's not even mentioned. No. And Liam, I know you got to go soon. So, is there a way to bottom line this? The, the concept of land grab in Africa, the Ebola story. We talk about big pharma, vaccines, drugs. What is the African story here? The African story is that the world is uh, running out of its. 50-year oil source, which is Saudi Arabia, or a 60-year, and uh, Africa has oil. Uh, The big digs are going on now in the ocean off the coast of some African countries and Brazil. There's a very fine book called The Race for What's Left by Michael Clare with a K, uh, which I read last year. It's just a very sober, fantastic book. Uh, you know, research of the kind you really don't see get books made uh, any anymore in, by any mainstream publisher. Uh, and, it, you know, it got a little press and then went away because it says we're running out of stuff. Um, and the wars that we're going to be experiencing are going to, you know, they always appear under the guise of something, right? But the reality is it's about resources because the world runs on oil. So I just decided to look up, let me see if I got this right, automobile deaths, Per, all right, uh, come on, chart. Uh, you know what they say: lies, damned lies, and statistics. So, fatalities per hundred million year, uh, and this is per hundred million. Uh, it's like total. Total would be thirty-three thousand five hundred uh, plus automobile deaths recorded in the last year that they have a d- data for, which was twenty twelve. Thirty-three thousand. Let's ban cars. Right. <laughs> Let's just ban cars because this is the deadly killer that we're not taking care of, you know, because there are a couple, you know, when when a couple people get the bird flu, it's time to make sure that we shut down international commerce. So, you know, that we take life and death seriously. So let's just ban cars. I mean, these are 33,000 lives that we really need to save. 33,000. What, you don't care about this? What kind of heartless murderers are you out there? I want a ribbon campaign to ban cars. Robert. <laughs> well, we talk about what the wars are really for. They've always been about resources. I mean, under the guise of, of religious wars, people will say, maybe there's truth to that as well, but is it not to conquer 
uh, for resources, and that used to be enslaving people because those were the resources until the age of oil, and then it became you know much cheaper. To, so to glad produce. you said that. Yeah. So glad you said that because the great and Julius, uh, uh, you know, uh, resplendent Julius Caesar, who waged illegal war. You know, he was criticized by the Roman Senate in fifty or sixty BC uh, for or, or waging a legal war in Gaul. Uh, you know, and he wrote about it. He had a bestseller essentially at the time, you know, the Gallic Wars in which he talked about, you know, the honor that he achieved. But what did he get? He got territory, which wasn't mining. It was people. It mm-hmm. was backs to work the lot of fundia to grow food, which was, you know, gold then to keep the society moving. It's always resources, always. Hmm. But it's, it's not only that, though, it's a tactic that's used to deploy this type of outrageous uh methodology to obtain the resources it's the same tactic i mean it's what they're doing with weapons right now with guns you know the the some people have died because of this inappropriate usage of guns and they go into these public areas and they shoot people and how how can we condone such types of uh acts and and anybody who says that the second amendment should be kept intact you are a heartless murderer because you allow you, you think that well, that's, yeah, that, okay. that's the psyop of course and now we're talking about the Ebola tactic uh, Liam Sheff my good friend official stories thank you for being here Dr. Batar and I will continue this discussion on the other side of this break all the links are up at the, in the show notes at robertscottbell.com stick around thanks dudes the Robert Scott Bell Show of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, if you're new to Advanced Medicine Monday here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Dr. Batar and I get together each and every Monday, second hour of the broadcast, a little later in the day than you're used to, but of course downloadable around the world and making it easy on you as well. In addition to all our podcast sites, medicalrewind.com, medicalrewind.com, hundreds of hours of our back and forth. Occasionally, Liam Sheff has showed up. That was kind of cool that he joined us today. And we got to that concept. I mentioned it as the Ebola tactic. You talked about the tactics of, you know, saying you're heartless and cruel for not wanting to curtail the the right to keep and bear arms based on, you know, uh, murders that have happened in the past. Right, right. I was just saying that the tactic is always the same. It's whatever the agenda is, they will take a few isolated occurrences and then try to make it as if it's a big widespread uh, problem. And like Liam had said, well, then we need to ban cars. And, you know, he was talking about 33,000 deaths there. Mm-hmm. Well, we should then – the United States is also the, the, the biggest nation as far as literally and figuratively speaking. We, we have the highest statistics for obesity. So we are not only, you know, from a – we're statistically an obese nation. So we are big. We are the biggest nation, figuratively speaking. Right. By, by that – Reasoning that we should take arms away from the citizens because some people have gone out there and killed other people and taken away their right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, then for that same reason, we should uh, eliminate spoons from the entire uh, kitchen, from every kitchen in the. <laughs> Especially in the where, where, they're, where they're obese, so we can block obesity, right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a ridiculous type of a thought process. You know, the. 
spoons are no more the reason for obesity as guns are for violence. And it, it, it's just preposterous to try to equate the two. And when you look at the, at the actual numbers, for example, first of all, the people that are carrying weapons, and again, we're not talking about weapons here, but people mm-hmm. that, get, that, that actually have handguns or whatever, the people that have licenses and that have permits, etc., they're not the ones that are going out there committing crimes. It's the ones that have the stuff illegally. And then you look at the people that have committed these crimes in schools and such. These are all people, individuals, young adults that are on neuroleptic drugs. They're on antipsychotic drugs. They're on uh, anti-seizure medication. They're on antidepressant medication. Nobody ever talks about that aspect. And so what do we do? We blame it on the gun. We don't blame it on society's lack of uh, regulatory uh, oversight over which people should be given certain types of drugs that then allow them mm-hmm. to go into a state of psychosis and then they start seeing things and hallucinating, et cetera, et cetera. And then they grab their parents' appropriately licensed handguns or rifles or whatever and go out and do something. Now, that's assuming that that actually happened. We know that there's some question whether some of these events actually really happened mm-hmm. or whether they were actually just orchestrated and played out. I'm not going to get into that aspect. We'll let Liam talk about sure, that. Sure, sure. Talk about the official stories. But my point very simply is you cannot blame guns for violence just like you cannot blame spoons for obesity, just like you can't blame anything on the lack of an individual to take personal responsibility. Well, and of course, the, the how do you say, the distraction here on Ebola is again to blame a virus. I totally forgot we were talking about Ebola. So I don't, oh, no, it's, but, it, but you're right about the tactics being the same. You, you frame the debate in such a way that you can't even enter into the discussion that, hey, maybe there are mineral deficiencies in the soil leading to the mineral deficiencies in the humans. On that compounding, for instance, lack of sanitation, sewage hygiene aspects of this. And, you know, going back to Ignace Semmelweis, we've talked about that years ago when we first started, the idea that a doctor should wash his hands before he, you know, after he cuts all the cadavers before he gives birth in the, you know, the next room. Uh, That was met with outrage. How dare you blame the doctors for all the deaths? And so we're up against the how dare you blame, for instance, Dow, Monsanto, and, and big agribusiness for, for damaging the soils to the point where we are not only minerally deficient, but very toxicologically challenged, to say the least. Well, and the, the way that they've designed it, too, that if you start bringing up toxicology, toxicology or toxicological issues, or you talk about the depletion in the mineral content of the foods that we're eating or anything else like that, in the context of this Ebola or mm-hmm. any other type of uh, you know, mass catastrophic type disease process that's become an endemic, right. you right. would be laughed away because it's so ridiculous that you're bringing up soil and mm-hmm. minerals when mm-hmm. we're talking about this bigger-than-life epidemic of contagion that is spreading the entire planet. You see, yeah, yeah. They, they make it, they, they position, they put you into this situation that if you start talking from a practical standpoint, you sound like an idiot. <laughs> because to the masses, they're going to go, wait a second, we're talking about a virus over here that's running rampant and killing people, and you're talking about mineral deficiencies? What kind of freaking nut are you? Yeah, exactly. And, they, and they've been able to frame that debate so powerfully that the emotional things are the visuals of somebody bleeding from the eyes, right? That says, we've been trained that only viruses or some 
strange pathogen. And, and you know, it, it's not to deny tropical diseases aren't real. They are real. They do exist. But they also have to be taken into the context of the health of the terrain of the patient or the person. Whether one survives the onslaught or impact or not is dependent upon uh, the machinery. Is it running? And, and, if, right. and if, it's, if it's not running, why? And this, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's not just the deficiency of that individual. It's also the genetic predisposition for the ability for them to handle that particular stressor or to eliminate that particular toxin or to process that particular mineral or to absorb it or whatever the case is. It's a genetic individual issue. It's a biological individuality we're talking about. So when you talk about terrain, it's not just the – you can have 10 people that have been eating the same food and they've been doing the same types of things, but – Three of them may have an APOE allele uh, mutation or they may have a methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase enzyme deficiency or they may have a you know, methylation issue or glycosylation issue, whatever. So their body can't adapt and change to that particular uh, situation as well as the next person. So their body won't respond as well. So you know, from the MTHFR enzyme deficiency aspect, those people can't clear mercury as well as somebody who doesn't have that enzyme deficiency. Mm-hmm. So now you've got two people living in the same environment, but one has this inability to excrete mercury, another one doesn't. The person that has an inability to excrete mercury is going to retain more mercury, sure. which is going to be immunosuppressive, drive the immune system down, and make them more susceptible. And I'm just using this as one No, example. it's a great example, although it's very complicated for a lay audience to hear when you make these big words and go, wait, what did he say? And I'll, and I'll do it into the flu, or people understand the flu. Each time they say the next flu is coming, it's the 1918 flu, it's all over again. And look, we can show you people who died, who died. People that were chronically ill, people that had liver congestion, people who had been on chronic antibiotics, and that's never discussed. Even if you can find it buried in the article, they don't put that as meaning anything except, oh, it just happens to be that, and we can put those things together and make the same exact, uh, let's say, comparison, although it was corrupted maybe not because of your genetics, but corrupted pharmaceutically. Absolutely, and the the pharmaceutical corruption is actually even – far more detrimental than the than the genetic predispositions we're talking about. But then when you put those genetic predispositions, you put the terrain aspect, the lack of food, and you put the pharmaceutical uh, uh, mm-hmm. um, burden on top of that, you know, you've just created a massive catastrophic situation for virtually any individual. I'm surprised when I'm just walking down the street, Robert, yep. that the entire human population is, uh, isn't suffering at a much greater extent than it already is. Mm-hmm. And is it really a testament to the I- incredible ingeniousness of the, of the master engineer that created the physiological system? Because we take so much abuse and we uh, engage right. so much self-abuse and we are still able to function relatively normally. So I, I'm amazed at this. I, I do a lot of things to help myself mm-hmm. to stay in a state of health. And I just don't understand how so many people are, without doing some of the things that I'm doing. Right, are, are functional at all. I mean, that, exactly. it, that's the amazing thing about creation and these, these bodies we've been given. At the same time, I've said that if there is to be some sort of mass epidemic where millions die, it is not an argument for the strength of the microbe as much as it is an argument for the weakness of the people and yes. the hosts and the terrain. Yes, absolutely. Completely agree with you. Completely mm. agree. And, you know, I think you, you made this analogy before. If an alien species came down mm-hmm. and studied us, yeah. you know, I think that they would be thoroughly amazed <laughs> at, one, how self-abusive we are as a, as a the species. Yeah. Species, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also how um, resilient we are. I mean, we really are 
They talk about cockroaches, you know, that <laughs> if there was a nuclear war, the only thing that would survive would be cockroaches. I disagree. I think it's actually the human species because I think we, we, we really are um, indestructible. We're like termites. I mean, you can't even get rid of us. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just disappointing sometimes. No, 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 we didn't say that. I didn't say that. No, no but look at the – there's a book called uh, The House of God. That's a mm-hmm. required reading almost uh, from a uh, – perspective of people that are graduating from medical school going into internship it's almost considered uh, a ritual to have read this book and they have these rules in the book and the, one of those rules is um, gomers never die and a gomer is get out of my emergency room that's what a gomer is mm-hmm. and these are the people that keep on coming back to the emergency room and pretty much there's no way that these people are going to die that you know it's it's very a facetious and sarcastic type of humor. Right. But one of the scenes, one of the things that I remember from reading the book is there's this guy and he looks like he's having a cardiac arrest and, and the medical students freaking out and, and the nurses are running around and the, and the resident walks up and he said, this is a gomer. And people are like, what, what, what this medical student said, what's a gomer? And the resident says, the first rule is gomers never die. And this medical student is sitting there looking at this resident like he's gone crazy. So the resident takes out his stethoscope, puts the stethoscope in the gomers, in this patient that's laying on the ground with mm-hmm. no heartbeat. Yeah. Puts the stethoscope earpieces in the patient's ears, grabs a diaphragm of the stethoscope, the part that you put up against the heart that you can listen, and screams at it, wake up. And all of a sudden the guy sits up, you know. Whoa. And then he takes the stethoscope out of his ears and turns around and walks away. And it's it's this story about how there are certain patients, they've got the O sign and the Q sign, and anybody who's listening to this who's read the book knows what I'm talking about I won't get into the details anymore but the point is there is this image that we have in medicine if you think about how how fragile life is and then if you've worked in the emergency room and you see the type of abuse that a human body has taken and still survived mm-hmm. you realize that it is an incredible incredible piece of machinery they can take that kind of abuse you take a car engine you take sugar you put it in water and you pour it in the car engine that engine is not going to run anymore it's done it can't it can't adapt the way the human body is designed to adapt <laughs> Although what I will say, as being a canary in the coal mine of my generation, that we are seeing a weakening through these generations very rapidly now. Again, the evidence is what do we see? For instance, the autism spectrum happening in these generations when but previous works But, look at, but mm-hmm. look at what's – you know, that's a factor for that. The mm-hmm. reason it's weakening is not because of the master engineer's design. No. It's because of what we as a species, how self-abusive Perpetual we are. Perpetual abuse, we, exactly. exactly. We're look. putting vaccines in our body. We're pasteurizing our food and we're processing food. I mean, Pottinger's – Pottinger Price experiment with the cats and what right. happened. And well, we're hitting that limit, and we're hitting that limit. It's time to take a break here. Dr. Batar is animated, even though it's the evening. Good job, my friend. <laughs> we'll be back to wrap up Advanced Medicine Monday after this. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. If you haven't picked it up yet, what are you waiting for? It's the international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. Uh, you can get a lot of those insights at Medical Rewind, as we've talked so many times over the, over the years now here on the show. Also, uh, there are places to get the videos, which we have here, as well as drbuttar.com, D-R-B-U-T-T-A-R.com. All of those links are made easy for you. Plug in and... Uh, 
well, I, sometimes we're irreverent. I think this is a pretty serious discussion, but it's very animated, and I appreciate that we're having it because you don't find this discussion in this way anywhere else in the mainstream media. Well, I think that's what you're known for, Robert. (laughs) (laughs) It's my fault. Okay, sure, throw it on me. No, no, no. I couldn't be doing it as well without you here each week because what you bring also from the medical background is fascinating for people. I mean, even that little inside thing, like most people, unless they've been through med school, probably haven't read that book, The House of God. But what they acknowledge in that is that resiliency that we can talk about in many different ways. The abuse we dish out, except that that abuse is being layered, as we say, generationally to the point where there will be a, a a point of perhaps no return, at least for those who are not returning to sanity, the kind that we're talking about. Absolutely, without a doubt, Robert. That's, and this is the whole point that we're, uh, we, we are, from an evolutionary standpoint, supposed to evolve and, and become better and better. And I think that the, the human species, all species, obviously are adapting and we are adaptogenic beings. Humans are being mm-hmm. more, humans are more adaptogenic than maybe some of the other species, but the components that we're introducing into this evolutionary process off the mutagenesis, the, mm-hmm. the, the lack of adaptogenesis, the um, DNA addicts that are being introduced into our genome with the uh, addition of some of these biological components within the vaccines, the various types of metals and chemicals and synthetic substances that we're being exposed to and you know, the uh, level of estrogen dominance now in our society, the size of the penis in almost all species on the planet right now is steadily decreasing and the ability to reproduce is steadily decreasing because of the estrogenic dominance from all the plastics, mm-hmm. the xenoestrogenic components, the phytoestrogenic components. So, I mean, I'm just going into one tangent, but obviously you can sure. apply this to anything, any level of toxicity, whether it's the chemicals, whether it's the metals, the the uh, electromagnetic radiation, the energetic aspects, whether you talk about the opportunistics, the bacteria, the viruses, the pyrochetes, the mycoplasma. Yeah. We know that the bacteria is mutating, becoming more resistant to antibiotics because of all the um, desensitization of all these different things that are going on. So the the gamut is, I mean, it's endless, but the point that we're making is that the species itself was designed, not just human species, all species, but especially the human species was designed to be the ultimate piece of machinery. And mm-hmm. to me, it is absolutely amazing when I walk down the street and sometimes see people walking around and I'm, I'm just amazed that people are walking around still doing what they're doing. You know, I, we, were, we were talking about the engine, the car engine with the right. sugar. Yep. Okay. What happens to the human body when you take a glass full of sugar and you drink it? You can do that day after day, week after week, year after year, and yes, you're going to end up getting cancer and heart disease eventually, and then have a miserable uh, death, or you could possibly end up having some other issues with diabetes, etc. But a car engine stops right there and then. Right. Yeah. The, again, there's no adaptability in that machine. There's no. It's not imbued with that life, that that creation aspect, that plus factor, the vitality, the vital force that we talk about in homeopathy. Uh, very well said. Now. Real briefly, we've got less than a couple of minutes here. Uh, For those that are still frightened, I don't know how you would be, of this so-called Ebola. As I mentioned, I would be doing not only selenium and other minerals, but uh, silver, of course, stops viral replication. We know if your connective tissue is melting, you are lacking the silicon. That is critically necessary. But if it's not in the soil, it's not in the food, it's not in you. What else could they do coming to see you, Dr. Batar? If somebody came and they were concerned about that or they thought mm-hmm. they could have it or something? Yeah, yeah, anything. Because those are the fears now people are. They say, okay, I probably haven't been exposed, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid. What do I do? I'm thinking all the stuff you already do is going to be the stuff to do. Robert, I've never, I, you know, even hearing about the Ebola, not one second, mm-hmm. not even a millisecond of my brain thought, oh, what am I going to do? Right. I mean, literally, 
the things that we do every day in the clinic, every single day, the mm-hmm. ozone autohemotherapy, the, you know, mm-hmm. all the MTE3s, the um, MTE1, the, um, the molecular ionic silver solutions, all the different IVs that we do, they, they all would by themselves and together, of course, eradicate anything. I mean, the, everything that we deal with for the third toxicity, the opportunistics, okay? Right, right. In the book that I talk about, in the facts on toxicity.com, you can watch, people can watch those videos, but everything that we do for the third toxicity out of those seven toxicities would be the exact same thing that we do if right. we thought that somebody had an issue with Ebola or anything else. So, good thing you found the Robert Scott Bell Show, Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Batar. We got it licked. All right, well, that's it. We're out of time. How'd we get here? <laughs> well, all we're left to do is remind each and every one of you out there, Dr. Batar, what is it? That the power to heal is absolutely theirs. Absolutely. Thank you. The Robert Scott Bell Show.